Good morning, Rochester and Western New York. Welcome to another edition of What's Going On with Nate Brown Jr. and the crew. As you hear, Nate Brown Jr. has gotten a lot smaller and whiter in the past week. This is actually Ryan Vernell here on the mic filling in. And I'm with none other than George Randy. George has been on his football. That's for sure. We've got some great interviews that George has put together this week. And as always, he's here to bless us with his knowledge on the pigskin. George, welcome to another edition of What's Going On. How are you today? Great. Always a pleasure to be a guest on What's Going On in the Experience. Uh, hey, it's always a pleasure. Sunday morning is cold, chilly. Hey, but bright sunshine, very little snow on the ground, very little snow, unlike our neighbors, uh, Buffalo, which uh, outside of Buffalo, not the city of Buffalo proper, but outside of Buffalo and Orchard Park in what is known as the Snow Belt area. All of that area out there, uh, surrounding area, heading toward the Pennsylvania border down there by Fredonia, and you're heading out that way. They got slammed again. They usually get slammed. They usually don't get. They get a lot of snow, but uh, this is uh, this is a lot for them. Uh, this go around, and why they want to build another stadium out there in uh, in snowy Orchard Park is beyond me. You could put a dome or whatever you want on the stadium. You could make it to Taj Mahal, but if you can't drive and make it out there when the roads are impassable, what good is putting a billion dollar stadium in the middle of nowhere in the middle of a snow belt uh, area, which is a desert? There's nothing out there but just a homes, a few homes. There's no big-time hotels or nothing uh, out in that marketplace, out in that area. And you want to spend a billion dollars of taxpayer money to, to, to build a stadium. Build it. If the stadium was downtown right now, Ryan, today the game would be played at 1 o'clock today in Buffalo, New York. I mean, at this point, we might as well build an igloo in Orchard Park. It doesn't make any sense to me. I went to school in Fredonia, George, and I remember oh, feeling the effects okay. of that. I did. I felt the effects of that lake effect snow. And I remember hearing about the, the politics and how it just made no sense whatsoever for the stadium to be in Orchard Park when it could be downtown. Someone's got to call the Pagulas up. They're in Florida. Somebody needs to tell them to come to New York and see what's going on. Makes no sense. Yeah, because they live in Boca Raton, Florida. They don't, they don't understand the d demographics, uh, or not the demographics, but the weather patterns of Western New York. I mean, they have their offices right in downtown Buffalo, uh, Pagula Sports uh, an inter entertainment uh, company right in downtown Buffalo. We have, matter of fact, we have an interview with a, a brief uh, question I had of Ron Recuia, uh who comes on, who represent uh, PSG, uh, the, the Pagula Sports Entertainment uh, uh, Company, which is located in downtown Buffalo. And I asked him the question: uh, Why would you want to spend the taxpayers' money on building a stadium in in in, in Orchard Park, which is a snow belt? You could build the Taj Mahal, as I just said, and you can't get to it. You can see it. You can't even see it. It got over two feet of snow. You can't even get to it. So the game would be moved to Detroit, where they have a a, a dome stadium. Or how about uh, uh, Cleveland? They downtown uh, outdoor stadium. Pittsburgh outdoor stadium downtown. Baltimore downtown. Cincinnati downtown. Why is Buffalo the only northern city that gets snow? That, that do not want to put their stadium in their downtown where it's shown to be successful by all these other National Football League teams. It just makes no sense. The politicians need to wake up and stop letting the Pagulas run the show. They should be run, telling the Erie County and the city of Buffalo should be telling the Pagulas where the, where the stadium best fits for the community and for the overall uh, betterment of Western New York, which would be downtown Buffalo, period. And would make them more money. So yeah. to me, that's what doesn't make sense. I mean, it's just such a no-brainer. They're building a new stadium. Figure it out. 
figuring out Buffalo. Yeah, and what gets me is the contrast between the pictures that we're seeing of the snowfall right now in that stadium and what you just sent me to my cell phone. Only, yeah. what, an hour and a half away in Rochester? Looks yeah, like this, summer out there. Yeah, just 60 miles away from Buffalo. But keep in mind, it's about an hour it's about uh, an hour and a half to get out to Orchard Park from Rochester. Uh, and you see the pictures I showed, sent you right now. Bright sunshine. Yeah, it's, it's bright sunshine, but it's very cold, very, very chilly, very raw outside the doors right now. Uh, but we don't have well, I can I can walk outside. I can get to my car. I don't have to shovel or nothing. Buffalo, you, you uh, Orchard Park in the South Towns, you're talking shoveling. Two feet of snow. I mean, come on. It's it's why you want to spend waste the taxpayers' dollars by building a brand new stadium in a place where all your games in the in the football season is in the winter time. You can't if you have a dome downtown or even in Lancaster where it should have been Lancaster previously, on this side of uh uh of of, of Buffalo, downtown Buffalo is the ideal spot. Everybody come in, see the game, it's domed, you can it's warm, cushy, comfortable seating. Buffalo still has uh, rail, rail benches out there, old school benches, people sitting on in a lot of those seats out there at the stadium from the set. This stadium was built in 1973. It was an excellent stadium, but it done, it done uh, way past its usage. And uh, it, it, matter of fact, let's say what Ron, uh, Ron Ricoeur, who, who, uh, who uh, works for the uh, Pagulas, uh, Pagula Sports Entertainment uh, Company, uh, which has their offices in downtown Buffalo. They're not uh, their offices are not in Orchard Park, right in the heart of downtown Buffalo. Let's hear what he has to say about this uh, situation. And as we load this up, you do make a a good point. Now imagine imagine this: had it been the week that the Vikings played the Bills, and we have to move it out of the home stadium, so not only the fans miss out on that experience, but we lose the home field advantage. So it makes yeah. no sense, but. Uh, now, who's this gentleman that we are bringing up right now? One more time. Uh, Ron Ricoeur. He's the vice president of uh, Pagula Sports Entertainment. Uh, as uh, Kim Pagula is not uh, in the office at the present time, he, he uh, usually Kim Pagula is the spokesperson. You hear her speaking. But he's right now currently is the spokesperson for the Pagula's uh, Sports Entertainment uh, Company. And he's speaking on behalf of the Bills as well. Hi, Ron. George Redney, Challenger Community News. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm good, George. How are you? Great, doing well. Uh, my question is down for the future. With 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 the uh, with with this game being moved to a dome stadium in Detroit, what is it in the back of your mind saying with climate change and the way the weather is changing up nowadays? Is this why now still people consider putting a dome stadium in downtown Buffalo where it's less snow? Less you're in the middle of a snow belt area out there, and the chances are Buffalo, the city proper, is going to get way less snow than what you're going to get out there in Orchard Park. Does this make you in the back of your minds and some of the powers that be say, Hey, maybe we need a dome stadium in Western New York? No, sorry, George, absolutely not. Um, you know, this game is, is being moved, but it's not being moved because we don't have a dome, it's being moved for the safety of our community, the roads, you know, the power. Um, everything else that's happening. We could play this football game, but it's not the right thing to do for our community and, and for everybody who is going to suffer, um, you know, a lot of snow damage, you know, coming up the next couple of days. So the Dome has nothing to do with this. I've seen some of those reports. I, I, it's kind of irresponsible from my perspective, and it will not change what we're already planning on doing. All right. Thanks for your time. Yes.
Yes, indeed. The only thing irresponsible is Ron. I know he's speaking for the Pagulas, but it's irresponsible for them to put another stadium out in the snow belt area. That's the only thing that's irresponsible about. That's why more and more people are starting to ask these questions. Why would you put another stadium in front of the pictures that you've shown for the people who, who watch this on the uh, social media areas? You see all that snow in the stadium, how blanketed that stadium was. You can't even see the seats uh, in the stadium uh, you can't even tell that it's even a football stadium, except for the goalposts are still upright and the snow is almost up to the, to, to the top of there. I mean, and this man is on here. This was on Thursday before Friday storm, and now it's continuing to snow today, Saturday, Ryan. The team even having trouble getting out of the I, – I can't believe the Bills didn't leave on Thursday for Detroit. Why would they stay there? And now they they, they, they in jeopardy of not even getting out of Buffalo today, uh, yesterday. It was, it was a tough go for them to even get out of uh, – Western New York, the day, the day before the game. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, George. It's that time to go to a quick break. We're going to be back soon to talk about what you bore witness to last week in person, the incredible Bills versus Vikings game that went down right here in Western New York. Don't go anywhere, folks. You're tuned into What's Going On. You're with Ryan Vernell. You're with George Radney. Nate Brown will be back next week. But until then, you're hanging with us. We'll be back soon. Let's go. Hello, friends. We are back. You are tuned into Fox Sports 1280 Rochester. Hold on, folks. I don't think the snow is that bad around here, but I wouldn't know. I'm all the way down south. I'm not as far down south as the Pagulas there, George. No. I'm feeling nice out here in the Hamptons. This is Ryan Vernell, mic'd up here on Fox Sports 1280 for another edition of What's Going On. Nate Brown Jr. is home chilling, literally. I think he's, uh, I think he's got a lot going on. Um, with the with the family, like family stuff, right? That's yeah, right. I get, all these family members. Yeah, touch base. I know, but uh, he looks like he's in Maryland. Look like he's with his daughters and everything, and enjoying the uh, the pre holiday weekend with his uh, family down in the Maryland area. What a guy! Got to spend the time with the family, and uh, and wow, we got some good stuff going on in terms of football this weekend. So many great games. But before we get into it, I want to talk about last week's game, George, arguably yeah. the greatest game of the season. What are your thoughts and pontifications after experiencing it live in person? It was back and forth. I'm telling you, look like we were heading down to the uh, uh, post game, heading down, leaving the press box to go downstairs and go down to the uh, locker room areas. And then all of a sudden, when the uh, fumble came, I heard it, and we just turned a couple of us. Some continued down. Which I turned around, went back upstairs. Uh, a couple of us guys we came back in, looked, and saw that they would. After the, by the time we got back up to the uh, press box, they had awarded the touchdown to the Vikings on the fumble on the box snap. They're at the goal line, and I just went back and set up shop again right there and said, "Oh, let's see, let's see the conclusion here. I don't want to go down and see it on a monitor down in the uh, down downstairs in the tunnel area. Uh, let's watch, let's watch it from up here in the press box. And glad we stayed because it was actually another forty-five, almost another hour. <laughs> Turned out to be another hour up there in the press box as uh, as, as Buffalo did come back, get down. Uh, Josh Allen did his job, ran to get the team down the field." And was able to kick the field goal. The Bills defense, I thought, overall played very well. But the biggest problem you had was uh, Josh Allen. Is is just uh, and and Josh we trust, and they trust way too much of Josh Allen for him not to be able to hold up. The one thing you couldn't do on the goal line after your de- think about it, your defense just had a fourth down stop from inches away from the goal line, and you were able to keep the Minnesota Vikings out the end zone from less than a yard in. That's that's almost unheard of uh, in, in modern today in, in football. Just to have a goal line stand like that, they were able to hold them out, and then you come in. All you gotta do is one play. Even if you, if it's a, it was a perfect snap. 
as I saw from uh, Channel 8, uh, WROC TV 8, Dad Brown uh, camera, he had an angle showing that Mitch Morris hiked the ball perfectly. He hiked it perfectly. It was Josh Allen's eagerness to get the ball and try to move forward without him fully grasping the football. He has to stay there, get the football, and if he didn't move forward, he could have moved forward because it was a crease. He could have got the ball out a couple inches, but instead, due to his nervousness, I think he has some type of anxiety because when the pressure is on him, he just kind of implodes. Uh, and for him to fuck the one thing you couldn't do, don't fumble the ball. If you do get the ball and it's a bad snap, take the, make sure you're on the ball. Even if you're in the end zone, it would have been a safety. Giving up two points, you still would have had a two-point lead and then uh, punt the ball or kick it off from your own 20-yard line and hopefully have the defense hold them one more time for one or two plays at the most. But Josh Allen is this is the problem with the Buffalo Bills. He lead the league in turnovers. If you eat 10 interceptions, four fumbles. And Josh, we trust, is not happening. you got to go with a running game. Take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. Run the ball more often. Then you can go to play action pass. And then you can Josh Allen can make some throws down the field. But he doesn't have the wherewithal to, to understand situational football at all. And now we're seeing his head coach, Sean McDermott. He doesn't have the wherewithal either to understand situational football. You get down deep in the field in overtime, Run the football when you get down there around the 20. If you're going to throw the ball, throw the ball out. If nobody was open, throw the ball out the back of the end zone. Instead, what does In Josh We Trust do? And read that in this week's Challenger Community News, my article titled In Josh We Trust. Check what he does. He throws the ball right to a, hall, a future Hall of Fame uh, player by the name of Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson is probably going to go in the Hall of Fame because of all the great years he had in Arizona with the Arizona Cardinals. This For guy, a second interception, too, nonetheless. Two of them to Patrick. How do you throw the ball even near Patrick Peterson's side of the field? You go to, you go to wherever the Cam Lewis is on their team, uh, the, the younger player. It, 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 and instead, throw the ball out the end zone. Then you got second and third down. You could and if you, you could dump it to the running backs. They need to get the ball in Devin Singletary and Naheem Hines' hands way more than Josh Allen's hands. Bottom line. I was waiting all week to see what your opinion was going to be because you were finally coming around the corner with Josh Allen. And now these last two weeks, he's being called out again. And it's not just you. It's it's most people in the media. I do think it's a bit of an overreaction. I mean, we can't forget the last two seasons and how he has put the bills on his back. You say that he's the problem, but he's also the solution. So maybe that's part of the problem. No, he's and not Josh, the solution. No, the solution, Ryan, is a more a more well balanced offense. It's not it's not Josh Allen. It's it's a balanced offense. He, they need to run the ball behind Roger Saffold and Deion Dawkins was blowing their guys off the ball Sunday. The, the Vikings are an average defense. They're not a great defense. They are average defense at best. All you had to do was run the ball a little more. Go behind Safford and and, and Deion Dawkins, Roger Saffold and Deion Dawkins. Dawkins, they could have ran the ball. You don't, you don't allow Josh Allen to lose a game for you where you can get the ball out of his hands, run the football, run the clock down. They had second and eight with 10 minutes left in the game, second and two inside the 10-yard line of the Vikings. All they had to do was hand the ball off. No, and Josh, we trust, they threw the ball three consecutive plays, including fourth down, which was a, a, a which had me scratching my head. And I said, why aren't they taking the three points? It's still eight minutes left in the game. If they would have ran the football, 
they got the two yards in second and third down, they could have ran the, they could have ran three to four more minutes off the clock and then look like they and then on top of it would have scored a touchdown to put the game away or kick kick the field goal and then the time would have been around six minutes left to play if they would have ran the football. It's just get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. What did he do in Miami? He he do he bounced the pass on fourth down to Isaiah McKenzie. He also fumbled the snap and didn't understand that he could spike the football and he didn't spike it. Instead, he threw it to Stephon Diggs and the time ran out at halftime, so they couldn't attempt the field goal. And then what did he do the other game uh, against the Jets? Throw the ball right to the Jets uh, player instead of handing the ball off in in the red zone. The red zone problem is the Bills don't run the ball. They're not playing physical football. That's the problem we have right now with the offense. And you could see it for sure last week. I wonder what the solution is going to be. Do you think that it's something that the offensive coordinator can do? I mean, we see a lack of Brian Dable. It's looking kind of obvious now yeah. when you see the success of the Giants. Yes, indeed. Brian Dable had more of a hold of the uh, of the demand, and they they ran some uh, jet sweeps uh, with McKenzie. You're not you're not seeing you you're seeing too much uh, Ken Dorsey that got lazy. It seems to me with his formations. Oh, they were in the shotgun. Why are they? Why not they in a, 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 a I formation? Why don't you? If, even if you don't run the ball, fake running the ball. But they they, they didn't do the jet sweep with McKenzie. McKenzie was open. Devin Singletary was open on the interception at the end of the game. Devin Singletary was right there in the flat. All you had to do is it was nobody open downfield. Dump it to Singletary. He could have picked up five to ten yards on that play, on a given play. All you had to do was just dump it. Take with the, the early in the season. Josh Allen was taking what the defense gave him, and now he's done reverted back to the old Josh trying to throw that ball in there. It's too much pressure on him. He's thinking he got to be the man, but he's not the man. The whole team is the, is the man. It's a team game. Josh Allen, it's a team game. Stop trying to win the game on your own. That's the biggest problem, the Buffalo Bills offense and the offensive coordinator. And head coach Sean McDermott, is he twiddling his thumbs on the sideline? What is he doing? I mean – He's seeing what we're seeing. Get the ball out of Josh's hands and run that football. I, I don't I don't understand Sean McDermott as a head coach. He's he's really showing me that he's not he's not a he's a winning head coach. He's just not a good head coach when it comes to winning big games and dealing with situational football. Situational football is where he 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 has a failing grade from the Rad Man. You also got to sit down with Dalvin Cook this week. We have a few words from him. I think it might be time to load this up. Yes, please. Let's go on. Hey, they, hey Ryan, you, it was, man, they had, a, they had a ghetto blaster in there that was so large. I hadn't seen a, a speak with a speaker that large on a carry, on a carry uh, 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 recorder where it had the tape player and everything on it. I mean, the speaker was super loud. And man, a boombox. They, they boom had a legit old school boombox down there. Thank you. Thank you. An old school boombox in the locker room. And they were blasting the, the, the rap songs. And man, it was, it was like they won the Super Bowl. Uh, you so. know, really quick, and, and you say that. They did. I saw an interview with uh, Kirk Cousins, and he was comparing this essentially to the Super Bowl. He said, look, we're at the top right now. This is as big as it gets. He's out there dancing with his gold chains. Yeah. yeah I don't know. They, I don't know. They got a whole second half of the season to go. They they, they, they eight and one. At a great record after nine games, but you still got seven more games to go, man. Uh, come on, man. You got a whole second half. I was just surprised how they really were hyped. I don't know if it bodes well for them this week against Dallas at home, but man, they really was hyped. They could have flew the plane back themselves, man, as high as they were. Man, oh man. 
But let's see what Davin Cook had to say about the about about this contest. So, could you- we just needed to break the ice. Somebody had to do it. JJ was making a bunch of splash plays all game to get us where we needed to be at. But we just needed to get in the end zone, and that was that was perfect timing. You know, Kale dialed some up. And first of all, up front they did a great job. JJ, you know, other than him catching the ball, that was probably his best block of the game. He went down and got the safety and put me on the corner and sprung me free. So. They block like that. I gotta, I gotta run my ass off. What does it feel like to be on the winning end of a game as crazy as that? Yeah, I get, I get the bragging rights for right now. You know what I'm saying? But nah, it's it's always fun winning, especially with this team right here, man. Like, we know how it feels, you know, to win and being close games. But I think that one was a little more special because how we did it. And we stuck together, you know, nobody, nobody flinched. We stuck together, and I think that's what's special about this team. Was there anything you had that you saw that the Bills, uh, was it, what you saw on film, the Bills were over, overrunning or overpursuing the run? Is that, is that something that part of your game plan today? Nah, I'm, I play my game regardless. Like, every week, week to week basis, like, teams don't play different. So you watch film, like, it's good to know how a team play. But you got to know, like, going into the game, everybody ain't going to play you the same way they play the next team. So you got to be ready to be on your A game to adjust and do it on the fly. And I think that's what we was good at today. You know, we didn't get enough opportunities in the first half, but KO came out the second half and we established ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Delvin Cook uh, uh, had his brother's jersey, too. Had his, son, his brother had signed the jersey for him. His brother plays for the Buffalo Bills, James Cook. Uh, so they they exchanged uh, jerseys after the game, uh, and he, yeah, he's very excited about that. Not only playing against his brother, but definitely winning this game. He knows the line block. The Bills defense played very well. They they they, they, they it just that on that play, the safety Cam Lewis playing in his first game, Ryan, as as a starting safety for the Buffalo Bills. He mis he misread the the angle, and he came in way too sharp. That's why as soon as he broke through the line. Cam Lewis ran past him and turned around, and there was no way in the world he could catch uh, Dalvin Cook with the speed that Dalvin Cook possesses. Uh, he just went all the way down like it was nothing, uh, 81 yards, almost almost untouched uh, for the touchdown because if Micah Hyde or Jordan Poirier was in the game, they would have made that look like a routine tackle, tackling him just past the line of scrimmage. They would have tackled Dalvin Cook for maybe a five- to seven-yard gain at the most. But because we got an inexperienced safety, he overran the play. It took the wrong angle, overran it, and, and next you know, 81-yard TD. And there was somebody else out there massacring the Bills secondary. You got to speak to him as well. Justin Jefferson, wow, was he looking like Randy Moss out there. Insane. And maybe one of the greatest catches of all time. And, and Dalvin Cook mentioned how he uh, blocked on that 81-yard touch. He got a nice block in, too. He's a good blocking uh, wide receiver as well as having great hands. And, man, he disabused uh, the Bills secondary uh, on, uh, during that game. It was embarrassing. I mean, they had five guys around him, and he was just manhandling everybody. One of the all-time legendary performances. But you did get to sit down and speak to him as well. Let's hear what Justin had to say. Something on film you guys saw uh, how to run certain patterns against this Bills defense with the younger uh, cornerbacks? Yeah, I mean, they didn't have any starters in their secondary. Uh, I mean, we knew that coming into the game. Uh, so it was really about attacking that, you know, just winning your one-on-ones, uh, having more confidence in me than them, you know. So uh, whenever those, whenever Kirk just throw that ball up, you know, it's mine. You know, I think it's, it's me to go get it. Uh, 
but you know, it definitely was was something we was looking at before the game. Well, what is it about the LSU receivers when they come into the NFL? They seem to be so prepared and ready to go once they get here. Yeah, um, that's a that's a tough that's a tough answer. I mean, question to, to answer. Uh, but I just think it's just our mentality. Uh, you know, we always fight. You know, we always work to to go up against those the best players in the league. Uh, being in the SEC, going up against you know Bama, Florida, those type of games. You know, we, we mentally prepare for these type of moments. You know. Uh, going up and getting those those catches and uh, just making a big play for our team. All right. Yes, indeed. As you can see in the post game, he's very uh, uh, very nice young man. Played hard. Made that maybe the catch of the year, the one-handed uh, OBJ type catch. Where Cam Lewis actually, if Cam Lewis would have just knocked the ball down, it was no way he wouldn't have had an opportunity to catch the ball at all. But because Cam Lewis was trying to intercept the ball. It acted as a border, as, as as a wall for so to speak, where where uh where the receiver JJ Jefferson put Justin Jefferson put his hand up and was able to 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 snatch the ball out of Cam Lewis's hand with one hand and bring it down to the ground, and that that's very embarrassing uh, of a young player. Uh, he uh, he thought didn't under, once again situational football. It's fourth and nineteen. If he would have intercepted the ball, the ball would have been right around there, or. You, if you would have just knocked the ball down, the Bills would have had the ball farther, deeper into the uh, Vikings' territory and could have submitted the game in regulation. And you cost your team the game just on that one play of not knocking the ball down. Then two plays later, J J Justin Jefferson burns them again for a pass to the goal, to the three-yard line, where they marked them at the three-yard line on another beautiful uh, catch uh, pass from Kirk Cousins. Uh, it was just amazing. Like you just said earlier, Ryan, before the interview, he torched the Bills all day long. <laughs> all day Unbelievable. Long. If you were to show somebody football for the first time, that's the game you got to show them. Spectacular. Bills, Vikings, one for the ages. And we're going to go to a quick break. Before the break, right. real quick, Brian, would you, have, would you have the Bills traded out of the 22nd pick of the draft three years ago, and they traded to Minnesota to get Stephon Diggs. They traded the, the number one, the, the Bills' number one pick, which was 22nd overall, and the Minnesota Vikings – uh, use that pick to, to pick Justin Jefferson. Would you? I, wow. I, in my articles, I, I I wrote in those articles back then. I was the only one writing, as the Mighty Over re reminded me this past weekend. I was the only one writing that the Bills should stay at number twenty-two and pick Justin Jefferson because he's just that good of a receiver coming out of LSU, and he would make the Bills a better team in the long run. Plus, he's still on his he's in his third season now, and he's still on his rookie rookie contract. The Bills they don't pay. Uh, Stefan Diggs almost twenty million. They paying them twenty million a year. So, what do you? What's your opinion of that? But maybe after the break, you can answer. Well, before we go to break, I that's amazing that you predicted that. That just shows the wisdom of George Radney. Honestly, yeah. that's insane. And and of course, of course, now looking back, is it really worth giving up all of that for Stefan Diggs? I don't know. He is a Buffalo fan favorite. He is spectacular. He, he did a tribute to the success the last few years. Listeners, what do you think? Let us know at what's going on underscore Fox Sports. We're all over social media, damn it. Find us on there. This is Fox Sports 1280, Rochester. Nate Brown will be back next week, but until then, you're stuck with myself, Ryan Vernell, and George Radney. We'll be back soon, folks. Let's go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening, Western New York? You're tuned in live to What's Going On, The Experience with Nate Brown Jr. and the crew. This is your host, Ryan Vernell and George Radney here for another experience. We're hanging. We're getting ready for this game. And we are very excited. Bills, Browns. Some people may say it's going to be a blowout, but after these last two weeks, who knows? Are the Bills going to be in trouble? George, what do you think is going to happen with this game? Well, I think now that it's indoors, that gives Josh Allen an opportunity. And also for Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott especially. I'm really – Sean McDermott, I'm sh- still scratching my head about what's happened the last uh, few games with his with his head coaching ability. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, have, have they have a poor run defense. This is a perfect time to get that running game going. Run the ball behind Roger Saffo III and Deion Dawkins. That's where they should be running the ball. Uh, with Singletary and with Hines, uh, Naeem Hines, and also short passes, short passes to Hines. Get Hines into the game more. And then Singletary, you you run him, and he fumbled the ball, which was a questionable fumble where it looked like his elbow hit the ground in that in that Vikings game. But you didn't go back to him after that, which to me, you should have went back to him. For some reason, in the second half of these last three games, which uh, where they haven't scored a touchdown in the second half of the Packers, Jets, and now the Vikings uh, games, you you don't score a touchdown in the second half of those games. Something's wrong. And what's wrong is you're not implementing the run game and you're not getting the ball off the short passing game that worked. So early in the season, you were doing this. You were taking what the defense gives you, takes what the Browns give you, and, and, and beat the Browns. The Bills really need to come out and dominate and defeat the Cleveland Browns uh, in this game uh, later today at Ford Field. That Cleveland that Detroit is getting all the money from for this game. Uh, and that's something Detroit getting all the proceeds from this game. <laughs> yeah. If you're the uh, Bills okay. coaching staff, how worried are you if there is a loss in this game? Because I mean already the Bills are in third in the division. That would make them six and four. On a scale of one one to ten, how worried would you be if you were the Bills head coach Sean McDermott right now? Six and four is a good record, but it's not a good record for the AFC East because this year they they haven't uh, the Miami Dolphins have an outstanding season as well as the New York Jets. They uh, they vastly improved. Coach Salah has their defense playing uh, playing very well for the Jets. They're, they're both be but now you the Bills them back themselves into a position where it's, it's turning already into must win games. This is a must win game this week. Then they, guess what? Next Thursday uh, they they play again next Thursday against the New England Patriots at New England. That's turning into a must-win game. Then you come home and you finally face the Jets at home. Then you get the Dolphins at home. You got you got the Bills got a lot of must-win games coming up, all because you faltered with poor play, poor decision making from your quarterback. You didn't take the ball out of his hands and allow him to hand the ball off and win and win the game. The Minnesota game was winnable. The Jets game was definitely winnable. And that Miami loss was just downright, just totally disgraceful that you dominate the game and don't and leave South Beach lose as losers instead of as winners as you dominated the Miami Dolphins in that in that week two matchup. Unbelievable that Josh Allen was a member. He bounced the ball to Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie wide open in the end zone, third and goal, or second and fourth, fourth and that was fourth and goal at the two yard line. Boom! You bounced the ball to to Isaiah McKenzie. It's, it seems like the moment is just too much, too much for Josh Allen. That's what I'm saying, Ryan. So this is critical. Every game is critical now due to those due to those losses. This Browns game is a very good litmus test. I think I'm probably most worried. If I'm a Bills fan, I'm most worried about the Miami Dolphins right now. And they just had their way with the Cleveland Browns last week. I don't know if you saw the game or any of the highlights, but 
just the overall better team from beginning to end. And uh, and yeah, on going on all cylinders. So I think that this will be a good litmus test for the Bills to see where they stand. A lot of must-win yeah. games, like you said. So at this point, moving forward, how do they change the offense without disrupting the flow? You say to implement more of a run game halfway through the season. How can they do this successfully? What is the more a more balanced offense attack is what's needed. It can it can be 60-40. It really needs to be 60-40 pass to run. They need to run that ball more often. Get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands. He's struggling, struggling Josh Allen and Josh we trust. We get the ball out of his hands because you can't trust him with the ball right now. He's back to his second year, uh, throwing mistakes, uh, throwing air, footwork, bad footwork, hand the ball off. you got a nice offensive line. Cleveland is, 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 is terrible against the run right now. Run the football. I, later today, I want to see the Bills run that football. I want to see them go to play action passes and shorter passes to the guys down the field. You can the Bills should be if Miami can put 39 points up on these on this team, the Bills should be able to do the same. Uh there's no reason why the Bills should not be running and passing and being able to blow out the Cleveland Browns uh later today at Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. Although, you know, to me, when I watch Josh Allen, I feel like the hero ball mentality is part of his success and why he's able to whip the ball down the field and throw so much. I wonder if it will affect him mentally if they tell him to take the backseat and to start running the ball more. If they tell him maybe hero ball is not where it's at. It's not, although I will say, watching him put his shoulder down and run over Vikings last week was very entertaining. Yeah, but you don't see other winning quarterbacks doing that. They, they, they're not doing that. Not, not well, who, other, who other quarterback you see in the league, Ryan, doing that? Running over? Never. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's insane. He should, only do that. he should only do that in critical games, critical situations, not just to get first downs on a regular basis. you got to have save your quarterback, let, give the ball to your running backs, run the football. The defense playing much better. They only gave up that big run. They did give up some yards. Obviously, the passing game they gave up, but they didn't give up that much on the run. So uh, Nick Chubb is going to be a handful. they got a good offensive line. The Bills got to stay in their lanes, stay in their lanes, and make plays. And I do feel the Bills can win this game by 10 points or more if they just run the football on offense, let Josh calm down, and and, and, and make plays. And think about it. You said the Bills have been successful. The Bills have won the division two years in a row, but they, they've they been to the division championship once, but they never made the Super Bowl. They haven't, they haven't consistently won out playing this style of football. So it should tell people, hey, this style of football might not be the total answer to the Bills' success. To run the football, make it a 60-40 type deal, 60-40 pass, 60 passing, 40 run, and the Bills can 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 beat up most teams in the National Football League with the talent that they have. That's for sure. And it looks like they should win this game. Like you said, Nick, uh, Nick Chubb, definitely a threat but they do not have Deshaun Watson, although Jacoby Brissett is looking pretty good out there. I think he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks. There are sometimes I watch him make throws and think, you know what, if that was Josh Allen, say, making that throw, he'd get a lot more credit. That's true. That's true. He's not a bad uh, backup quarterback or starting quarterback. Uh, they're, they're three and six. They've had problems in other areas besides quarterback, and that has cost them some games. But the Cleveland Browns is, uh, on paper, a pretty good football team. They're not a bad football team at all. Uh, so you got to watch out for them. You got to be on your A game, and you can't be Miami jump. The one thing I like about the Dolphins team this year, they jump on team when they get the lead. They just pour it on. They don't. They don't ease up. They keep passing or running or whatever's working effectively. Uh, that McDaniel's the head coach. He got them playing that San Francisco type of football, and they're uh, they they they're being quite successful. The Bills done played 
uh, Shanahan's uh, guys the last four weeks, and the Bills have been uh, not very not not as successful as they should have been against the Shanahan guys. But they uh, that's due to me to the turnovers, the turnover factor. I think the Browns will play a good game. Bills should win by ten or more. Uh, and, and there's a lot of other good games on on Sunday as well, later today as well. That Jets New England game, I'll only keep an eye on it. The Jets should have won that game. It was a couple bad calls against the Jets when they played at home against New England a couple weeks ago. I still find New England finding a way to defeat the Jets once again. It's got that that's going to be a good divisional game as well, uh, Ryan. A lot of good football to look forward to, folks. We're going to play our part two interview with Shea Cotton coming up next. But George, you've got a lot of places that they can find you to keep this show going. Where can they find you with the challenger community news and your very own sports show, the real, real Deal sports show. Thank you. Real deal sports show. Uh, every Saturday morning, eight to 9 a.m. on 105.5 The beat. Check me out. Eight to 9 a.m. Every Saturday morning, the challenger news.com. And also you can go to the Facebook page, real deal sports show, uh, com. Uh, or the Facebook page, Real Deal Sports Show, or the, or the website, realdealsportshow.com. Check us out. Check out what we're doing. And you can see repeats of the show. You can catch uh, the show. If you missed it live on the radio, you can catch it on the social media outlets, as well as YouTube, Real Deal Sports Show as, as well. And, folks, you can find me on The Ryan Show. That's right. My very own radio show broadcast nationally. Look us up at The Ryan Show on all social media platforms. Until next week. Thank you for listening to What's Going On with Nate Brown Jr. and the crew. Up next is our interview with Shea Cotton from out in L.A. I took my trip out west, George. Got I to see. sit down with uh, one of the great high school basketball players, but he was so great that they put out a documentary called Manchild on him. So everybody mm-hmm. go check out Manchild. It's available for streaming everywhere or on YouTube if you want to rip him off. But don't do that. Don't do that. This I caught, I caught part one. Part one was outstanding. So I'm looking forward to hearing part two as well. Appreciate you always, George. We'll be back soon, folks. Fox Sports 1280 Rochester's in the building. Don't go nowhere. And we are back live on Fox Sports 1280. This is a Ryan Show slash TKK production of what's going on. Nate Brown Jr. gets to hang all the way in Rochester. I know he's going to be very jealous Mm. when he hears this interview. When I told him I was interviewing Shea Cotton, he was very jealous. (laughs) He's a huge fan of high school basketball, too. He pays attention. We've got an older generation of, of guys that I work with. But tonight we're taking over as host. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And takeover. A, West Coast takeover. West Coast takeover. That's Should right. Be exact. And there's so much to talk about, not just in the world of Shea Cotton, but in the world of Los Angeles basketball. I'm going to make a big reveal to you right now. I've been a lifelong fan of the Los Angeles Clippers. Okay. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Are, you, are you ready to start roasting ahead, me yet? Or is this... No, no, go ahead. Shoot. All right. So I'll explain how this happened first. So I was no. such a big Yankee fan as a kid. Okay. I needed to balance it out. All right. I got so nice at NBA Jam when I was a kid that I had to play as the Clippers or it wouldn't be fair. Okay. So it all kind of just worked out that way. So who was your guy on the Clippers? When I was a kid? Yeah. Danny Manning. Okay. Yeah, I had a whole man, bunch of guys. Yeah. You almost had me. I thought you were going to say Ron Harper, man. Yeah, Harper too. All those yeah. guys back in the day. Yeah, the, yo, the Clippers back then. And then when I got into high school with Lamar right. and all the bad boys over yeah. there, like yes, the young right. kids. Quentin yeah, Richardson sh- and Darius Miles. Sean Livingston, he was another guy. It's always the worst when injuries derail their career. You always wonder, what if? But now with modern science, we see less of it. We see Kevin Durant coming back from what could have been a career-ending injury and doing what he's doing over there. Right. So as we move forward into the NBA season, who do you think is going to take it away and win it the whole thing this year? If you had to make a pick. Man, you know, this is Laker town, you know. uh, Oh, you can't tell me the Lakers (laughs) are going to win the championship. No, 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 no. I said, but. 
I got. I, I'm, it's, we stay in California, though. It's, it's yeah. going to probably be the Warriors. To you, be honest. you still think amidst look, the drama that's going on behind good. the scenes? Yeah, the drama is always. It's, listen, it's, it sells tickets. Yeah, it brings more awareness to the to the their franchise, good or bad. You know, as long as they're talking about you, you're doing something right. It's that thing, it's true. right? I know they're they're selling out the, the arena. It's a beautiful place, the Chase Chase Center. Yeah. But more importantly, they have the cohesiveness. They have the roster. The understanding, you know, the from the front office on down, yeah. everybody's on the same page, and I think they're committed to winning. How and do you that's think? What I don't see with the Lakers right now. They are definitely committed to winning. Yeah. The culture, the winning culture, is there, and it seems to have dissipated in that Lakers organization. Even with LeBron being there, as much as I love LeBron, probably my favorite player, he's a winner, super talented, but it's just the, it becomes the LeBron show. Yeah. And when you have a guy like that that's so hands-on and, you know, I don't want to say he's got an ego, but, look, he's he still could arguably the best, be the best player in the NBA right now. Yeah, yeah. But he's also got to make moves realizing that he's not going to be forever. So I guess we'll see what happens with Westbrook yeah. and what, what LeGM, as they say, decides to do this year. All the, you know, there's all the talk about Westbrook, but, you know, quite frankly, I love Westbrook. His intensity, his effort, you know, he, he just – he goes out there with the – the mentality that all five of the guys should be playing with, to be honest. Yeah. Where he gets into trouble is pulling his speed back in transition. Yeah. He's so fast, sometimes it's hard for him to slow himself down. And just concentrating to just playing ball. Like, stop worrying about what everybody else is saying and be the best rush you know how to be. He's at home right now and having a hard time. So imagine what he's dealing with, you know, psychologically. Yeah, it's true. And you know? he was always pretty good at brushing off the haters and not right. caring. But because these he was days, in other states, though, doing yes, it. Yes, exactly. Piece, now he's at home right. getting harassed right. by his hometown. It Absolutely. is it is pretty messed up. Yep. And he is such a fun player to watch. And, and like you said, that intensity is still there. Right. It is frustrating, though, watching him go over 7, missing a bunch of threes, whatever. But he does what he's got to do. Yeah. And as a Clippers fan, I don't mind. Yeah, and how honest. many guys can really shoot the ball in the NBA? That's true. You know what that I'm is true, but those that do, they do. The one yeah. that shoots it the best is up north. Like exactly, <laughs> two the, the two Warriors. best guys that shoot it, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So hey, Clay, listen, Clay is the the best catch and shoot that I've seen in the game, <laughs> and Steph is the best off the dribble and catch and shoot together. It's insane that I've seen ever. And now we've got so. Poole, who's not. I mean, I wouldn't put him up in that same no, category, but he's getting he's good. Getting and he's yeah. nailing shots from all over the place, Absolutely. from so deep. Absolutely. So, you know, we talk about how the Warriors, are they have this winning mentality and the culture is there. How do you think they handled the Draymond Green, Jordan Poole situation? Uh, I think they handled it the best way they felt, you know, for their franchise and not to upset chemistry and maybe uh, shame what he's done, you know, in his career as far as the ring ceremony was concerned and stuff like that. Um you know, I thought that there there would have been stricter penalties, considering it was you know caught on camera, it was leaked or whatever. Who I, do you, you think know. leaked it? They That's the big conspiracy. From TMZ apparently, I'm not sure. Like, I know that TMZ leaked it, but yeah. you know, you wonder if there was like something bigger behind it. I mean, it was it was that's a bad leak because yeah. they say that things like that happen often. Have you ever seen anything happen to that extent, though? I haven't seen nothing like that. I mean, usually an organization protects. The franchise, you know, the best they can, and yeah. they don't let stuff like that out because it's kind of like a defamation of character to their their franchise. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, well, you guys allow this to take place. Like, it just wasn't a good look. You know? So I guess it's a Steve Kerr thing, right? We all know the notorious Jordan Steve Kerr story. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. I don't think it was that that strong of a punch, though. I mean, it looked it looked pretty crazy, but the, I didn't see any crazy marks on Jordan Poole, and Jordan Poole didn't seem to be too upset, right? 
Nah, but he, didn't he looked get, like he got melted, melted down. Like there it was didn't, no yeah. fighting him after that punch. <laughs> He's so much bigger guard, than the guy. Unexpected. Yeah, it was not. I think he thought it was just a bump and get up off me and quit playing or whatever. We good? Nah. Yeah. When somebody approaches you like that, yeah, in that way, you got to put your guard up. You you push somebody, your, your guard has to go up. For sure, that's where he that, was in the wrong. You yeah, can't just push point, somebody I like that. Energy, yeah, it wasn't like a friendly situation. He must know? have said something crazy to him too, right? Because you know you never hear happens, man. But at the yeah. end of the day, like you got to. Look at it like this: We're teammates, right? Yeah. We don't have to. We don't have to. We don't have to like each other. We don't have to love each other. But we got to respect one another. We got to work together. Exactly. We got to make this thing look the best it can look when we're together. And when we're done, we go our separate ways. Mm. That's a true professional. It's true. I didn't see that, and and now they have to figure out how they're going to clean that up, so it doesn't happen again, and make it seem as though it's okay. Now, do you think that they would have had a way harsher penalty for Draymond had they not? Won the NBA championship last year? That's a great question. Yeah, I think that uh, it can go either way. I think um, it's about image and perception, yeah. obviously, and, and they want to clean stuff up as fast as possible. I think if you drag something out, it could go against you. Yeah. So, so maybe they were just trying to quiet it down, you know, pay them their respects with the ring ceremony, kind of get through this and deal internally, yeah. which is understandable too. I'm a fan of a lot of those players, but, you know, as a Clippers fan, obviously I want the Clippers to win this year. So what do you think about the Clippers roster? Because we got John Wall over there. I think that was a huge addition to that team. Yeah, it looks good. I I watched him play against the Lakers. He had his way, uh, considering it was his real first live game back since the injuries. You know, I know him personally. I'm happy to see him, you know, playing at a a high level. Yeah. And uh, I think he's going to help the Clippers a lot, specifically in transition making plays, you know, at the rim and, and getting guys uh, open shots and sweet spots and oh, yeah. speeding that game up. So it, it should be exciting to watch. What do you think about Kawhi Leonard coming off, potentially coming off the bench, being paid that type of money and being limited to these types of minutes? It's all the big joke that everybody makes behind the scenes about how he, you know he's kind of able to sit out. But as someone that's dealt with injuries, yeah. I mean, maybe it is a good thing. What are your thoughts on the way that he's handling his injuries. I can't really speak for that man in his threshold for pain. Yeah. Everybody knows their body better exactly. than others. So um, I would just like to see guys that are getting paid a lot of money either play or retire. Man, that's you know? that's ain't that the truth. Yeah, because the, the, the stopping for six months and come back, the, the timing is crucial. Yeah. Okay, It's not about talent. It's not about how strong you are, how fast you can run. You know, the timing and cohesiveness is very important. Yeah, for sure. You know, we mentioned earlier super teams and how it's kind of ruined a lot of the fun of the NBA. It was nice to see one player on a team be the leader, maybe two guys. So there was that type of quality amongst the talent on the teams. It wasn't as watered down. I think the last would be Giannis, right? Giannis Antetokounmpo would have been the last that didn't have a technical superstar. I mean, in the last like 10 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's He's a hell of a player too, by the way. Who's going to be the new face of the NBA? Oh. When LeBron retires. Um, I could see it being Giannis, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, Giannis, I, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Nice. You like? <laughs> I do. I do. The, you know, the hip hop of me comes out of me. <laughs> I, I do yeah. because I think he's, you know, he's a gentleman. He understands his position, so yeah. he like stays out of the, the media. You know, he does his job. He comes early. He stays late. He makes everybody around him better, and he's got a relentless pursuit about his work. You yeah. know, and you don't see that too often with a guy that he just got paid some decent money and he's bringing it. You know, I'm talking like the first game of the season I was watching the other night. The effort level, it's like, you know, you're in the playoffs already. So that's impressive. Why do you think that nobody 
big as him has joined up with him yet? Because Milwaukee is a tough market to live in. You know, it, it's not Chicago. Yeah. And it, which is a good market, but not the greatest. You know, if you're not in L.A. or New York, you got to be selective about where you want to play at. You want to go to Miami. You want to go to Chicago. You don't really even want to go to Memphis, I hate to say it. I mean, I love Ja Moran, as talented as he is, but he's going to have to get out of there at some point if he wants to win. Such he's, a shame. Yeah, he'll be a great player in an in, in a, in a, in a average market as far as media, and it hurts a lot of guys. It really has ruined the NBA, super teams. The more you think about it, right? Like, look at Dame Lillard over in Portland. Yeah. Everybody thinks that he could, or everyone's telling him to go to other teams. Could have been with the Lakers. And now he probably is going to spend the rest of his career on Portland. I mean, they just traded his running buddy away. Yeah. What do you think about the Pelicans this year and Zion Williamson? Great question. Uh, he's he's another explosive individual. Um, if he can stay healthy mm. and and develop his mid range, I think he'd be a guy that could be unstoppable. I mean, because he's a bucket around the basket, they can't stop him. He's wide. He's explosive. You know, he's got strong legs. He's big. Um. And he's, he attacks the basket when he goes to the rim. He's not trying to get there. He's going to get a bucket or a foul. He wants to win, too. For you sure. can just see it. For he's sure. got that. He's got that dog in him. Yeah. Like yeah. they say. Yeah. And, and he's looking slimmer. He's slimming down. That was yeah. the big thing. Is he going to weigh too much at right. the start of the season? Right. There's that hilarious meme of David Griffin looking over the shoulders of him and CJ McCollum. Did you see that? Uh, like a proud father? It's <laughs> <So> absurd. <laughs> it went super viral. All right, we're going to go to another quick break. We're live on Fox Sports 1280. This is also The Ryan Show. This is also TKK Radio. This is a cross collab. We've got Shay yeah. Cotton in studio. Shay, where can they find you on Instagram? You can find me on Instagram, at Shay Cotton. My name, S-C-H-E-A, Cotton with two T's, C-O-T-T-O-N. Now, I got to ask you, Shea is a, a very unique name. It's an Irish name. Yeah. What were you named after? Who were you named after? Maurice Chevalier. Uh, was, it was a singer. Mm. He had a song, Thank Heavens for Little Girls. They thought I was going to be a girl at the time. Oh my uh, Boy, were that, they mistaken. That changed drastically. <laughs> Professional athlete comes out of the Not and little at all. That's, <laughs> it. That's it. We stuck that's with the it. Chevalier piece, and uh, we went with it. Oh, all right. Well, there we have it. That's I right. had to ask. We're live on Fox Sports 1280. Uh, We're going to be playing a little bit of music here on TKK Radio, but nobody go anywhere. We'll be back very, very soon.